That is going to be a wonderful song for our invitation. Based upon the lesson, that is. Uh, For those of you who have been here since we've been uh, coming back and have got the uh, opportunity to experience the heat, uh, you'll be glad to know that today we're not suffering uh, too badly today. I don't, I don't even think it's over 90 degrees in here right now, is it? <laughs> Such a wonderful day. Well, listen, I, I thank everybody for uh, being Christ, being Christ-like, because during this uh, time it's, it's been a difficult, uh, a, a, just a difficult thing to figure out and what's the right thing to do. And how do you please uh, and accommodate the most people um, because there's such a broad variety of views on how you, how you deal with this, this thing. So, so here we are, and we're doing the best we can. And I, um, I don't believe I've gotten any complaints about what has gone on or the decisions that we have made and that I have made. And, so, and I'm sure there have been complaints, but you have bit your tongue and said, I'm going to be forbearing and I'm going to be gracious. So I appreciate that and that's how the church must be, how we all must be. So so praise be to God for his wonderful spirit to get us through difficult times. And speaking of difficult times, it's there is a little bit of a difficult time that we're going through right now as a nation. Uh, the difficult time uh, first was the fact that our nation was already just, uh, people just seemed to be divided and going at each other. That's an awful, awful thing to experience. Then the coronavirus hits. That's an awful difficult uh, thing to experience. And um, the discussion, even, even dealing with how to deal with it, has been a difficult experience. Uh, and then uh, the issue came about when George Floyd was murdered by that policeman. And more distress and more uh, miseries and troubles have come uh, because of that one man's decision, uh, that policeman deciding to uh, disregard that man's life, and it has brought to light just the fact that, well, there are other people who do those sort of things, and how do we address that? And, and it's been a difficult time for our nation just in that regard. So all kinds of difficulties, they're all around us. Um, you know, and even just the fact that we're meeting here with doors open and a fan running in the back and dealing with some noise behind the microphone, and that's another little difficulty. We here have the doors open, and there is uh, the wonderful air that is fresh air, and we know we're not going to, I guarantee nobody's going to get the virus today. Even if somebody came with it, you're probably not going to get the virus because we're so careful and cautious, but it is not without a difficulty in experiencing our meeting together. It's just, it's just troublesome times in, in so many ways. And we can only imagine what's going on in homes as people have been, uh, been quarantining and been in their homes more. I'm sure there are more children that are experiencing abuse. There's just so many things wrong right now. But if you want some perspective on difficult things... Uh, you should have been listening to the passage that was read today from Job. Job chapter 1, verses 13 and, and following, you see there how things can get worse. I'm sure when it, as it was reading there, and you, Job finds out that the oxen and the donkeys 
um, were taken by an enemy. I'm sure, I'm sure he thought, oh no, they're all gone. Woe is me. I'm sure that was flashing in his mind how terrible this is. This day could not be any worse than that. You, I could not get any worse news than that. But while that guy is still talking, somebody else comes, gives worse news, and then worse news, and worse news. And it happens that there are four things that happen simultaneously, and that makes you just think, well, obviously wasn't coincidence. Something's going on in the, uh, in the, the spiritual realm to bring forth uh, these four catastrophes. And so Job has a bad situation, but it goes to worse because we know that he ends up losing then his health. And there's much to learn from Job, and we learn about what's happening. You know, we see evil happen, but we learn about what's going on behind the scenes and that God is in control of the situation. And he's the one who is making sure that, yeah, the devils he's got some leeway, he's able to do some, some things, but God has got the situation under control. And so that's what we learn about uh, theology from this book. How does God work? We see some things happening. We see why evil happens. And it's not because Job was evil that evil happened to him, but it was a test of faith, and it was the devil trying to get him to curse God. But in the midst of this book, we learn more than just about um, what happens in the spiritual realm. We learn about how we must live in the face of these trials. And as we learn about how we live in the face of trials, we've got to understand that there is a motivation for considering how we live because death is imminent. Death will come, and we learn much about death from Job. But you'll see at the end of the outline is that what we learn about death is important, but how we live is the most important thing. So I want to encourage you to think about how you're living as we go through and discuss Job. Death is all around us these days. Um, thankfully, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be in regards to the virus. I'm thankful I don't know anybody personally who has died due to the virus. Um, it's not over yet, though, is it? But death is, death is all around, and we see death in the news. It's just, it's, it's one of those days and times when we can say, wow, this is a difficult time. So let's learn about death and talk about then our lives. Number one, as we saw in the reading, death can be sudden and tragic. Death can come at a young age. In verses chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, we see Job's children are the ones who die. It isn't him in his older age. It is his children who die. How tragic. I can't imagine losing a child. But death can come suddenly and tragically. And death can be at the end of a long life. You get to the end of this book and you'll see that Job... The very last verse says, And Job died, an old man, and full of days. He lived his full life. So death can be sudden and tragic, or death can come at the end of a long life. But death will come. And we know, you know, that's the, the simplest point I've ever made in a sermon probably, but how often are we living knowing with our, in the front of our minds that death will come and death could come suddenly? We must be aware. Death will come. One of the first passages I learned from the Bible was from Job chapter 14. 
verse number one, and I'll add verse number two with it. Man who is born of woman, in other words, everybody. Anybody here not born of a woman? Okay, just checking that. So this is everybody. Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. I live that. Uh, man, man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. That sums up life, and it sure is fitting right now, full of trouble. Verse 2, like a flower, he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. Death is imminent. Death will come. We need to be aware of it. We need to have that uh, not making us live in fear, but making us live every moment to the fullest so that we, we, can, we can please God. So we learn that about death. It's very clear from this book that death will come. Point number two, death comes to those who live in comfort and death comes to those who live in pain. Death doesn't care. You know, death is, it, it does not discriminate. Look at verses, chapter 21, verses 23 through 26. And this is Job speaking. And by the way, when you're reading through this, Job is asking all kinds of questions with God and he's pushing his limits with God and asking those questions. But Job is righteous in what he says. You find that out in the very last chapter. So you can trust the things that Job says. But if you're going to quote the other guys, um, Eliphaz, Bildad, and um, Zophar, if you're reading those guys talking, you better be careful. They might say some things that are right, but they're going to say some things that are definitely wrong. But here's Job speaking, so we can trust these words. One dies in his full strength, being wholly at ease and satisfied. His sides are filled with fat, and the marrow of his bones is moist. Life is easy for this guy. Verse 25, while another dies with a bitter soul, never even tasting anything good. Together they lie down in the dust, and worms cover them. I don't care who you are. I don't care how rich you are or how poor you are. It doesn't matter. We all end up in the same place. Death will come. Death comes to you, and, and death is, is not a, a respecter of persons, so be prepared. No matter who you are, be ready to die. And number three, death can be viewed with despair and finality, or death can be viewed with hope. And here is, this is interesting to uh, consider uh, Job. He's much like the psalmist. Uh, when you read through the psalms, you get somebody who's speaking in great despair, and then in the, after saying to God, why, God, why, God, why, he turns around and says, but my hope, my faith is in you. And that's what Job's like here. Here's a passage where he's looking at, at viewing death and, and with great despair and finality, and, it's, and what's, what hope is there. Chapter 17, verse number 13 through 16. If I look for Sheol, that's the place of the dead, the realm of the dead, the grave. If I look for Sheol as my home, I make my bed in the darkness. If I call to the pit, you are my father, to the worm, my mother and my sister, where now is my hope? And who regards my hope? Will it go down with me to Sheol together? Shall we go together? Shall we together go down into the dust? He's very—he's expressing this 
in, in his great despair, especially with the loss of his health, but on, that on top of everything else that has happened, the loss of all of his family and everything he owned. Death can be filled with despair and finality. And you got a question, you know, when we die, what happens? Are we dead? Do we go to the grave? And that's the end. We are no more. Is that what happens? But death can be viewed with hope. And in chapter 19, Job comes through in this spectacular way, these wonderful words of hope. Verse, uh, beginning in verse number 25. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will take His stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes will see, and not another. My heart faints within me. What a wonderful thought. My Redeemer lives. Even after the last, after everything is destroyed, after our bodies have gone, we shall see the Redeemer. And we do have a Redeemer. And I know that He lives. And you know that He lives. So death can be filled with despair. You can look at it that way and you can dread it. Or you can look at death and be filled with hope because you know what is beyond. I hope you choose hope. I hope you choose Jesus and to trust Him. So those are some very simple facts about death. It will come. It doesn't discriminate. And uh, you can look at it in a good way or a bad way. That's the sum of it. But what matters most concerning death is how you live now. So some things, some simple things that we look at from the book of Job. Job chapter 1 verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. All the bad things that happened to Job are not because he was a bad person and deserved bad things to happen to him. All these bad things that happened are because he was blameless and upright. He lived that way. He lived fearing God and turning from evil. Let us do the same. That's what most matters most about death is that we live this way so we are prepared when our turn comes to die. Second point, worship God. Trust Him in all circumstances. After all these bad things happened and before He lost His health, look at verse number, uh, chapter 1, verses 20 through 20, 20 and 21 right now. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground. Pretty much anybody would do that, right? Despair, great despair. But he wasn't falling to the ground in despair. He fell to the ground and worshipped. He bowed down to God. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave 
and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let us learn to have faith like that. Let us worship God. Let us trust Him and bless His name in all circumstances. No matter how bad it gets. A third point there. Do not sin. Do not blame God. This is how we are to live. Don't sin. Don't blame God. Verse 22, it says, Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Are we living with faith like that? Next point says, Trust that God is in control. So here, you know, if you want to get ready for death, you got to trust Him right now. And, that, and that's good. this is what's going to help you not despair, but to be filled with hope when you consider death. Verse number 6 of chapter 2 says, So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. He's in your power. Only spare his life. So who's in control there? Poor Job, he's getting handed over to Satan, isn't he? He's in, he is going to be in the hand, in the power of Satan. The adversary. But we see who is really in control because God is the one who is saying, all right, here he is. And God says, only spare his life. The devil can't do what God will not allow him to do. So ultimately, even, even though we see all these bad things happen to Job, God's, God's not to blame. He doesn't cause it, but he is still in control. Trust that God is in control. No matter how bad it gets, trust that God's in control. Next point is from verses 9 and 10 of chapter 2. It says, hold fast your integrity. Trust God and do not sin. Verse number 9 says of chapter 2, Then his wife said to him, This is after he, he's already lost everything. Satan goes back to God, and God says, all right, you can, uh, you can afflict him, but don't kill him. So he loses his health in a miserable experience with all of these sores and boils, painful things. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. His best friend. Telling him you should, be, you should just die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Hold fast your integrity. Trust God. Do not sin. Do not speak against God. Next point says, trust God with the number of your days. And I want to skip ahead to chapter 14, verse 5. Chapter 14, verse 5, again, this is Job speaking, so I trust these words. Since his days are determined, speaking about man, since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you, and his limits you have set so that he cannot pass. God is in control of your days. God is going to see you through and protect you all of your days. He is the one who knows when you will die. 
Trust Him with that. Trust God with the number of your days. This is what Job was saying. Job wanted to be... He longed for death. He was so miserable. He cursed the day he was born, but he didn't curse God. He still kept trusting in God. He wanted death. But he knew it wasn't up to him to decide when his his day would come to die. He wasn't going to put God to the test in that regard. He was going to trust his days in the hands of God. So if misery was his lot, he was content with that. Last point about living, how we live in the face of death and in the face of trials and difficulty. Live with a longing to see God. And we already read these verses from chapter 19. But chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. Here, after mentioning that my Redeemer lives, verse 25, he says, Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes will see, and not another. My heart faints within me. You know, I think this idea of his heart fainting within him, he's, he's not dreading to see God. He's longing for the day that he's going to go and see God. His heart faints within him. And that, that passage, it's interesting in the, uh, the footnotes for my, my scripture. Maybe your King James has it more, um, more in line with what the original says. My, my kidneys faint within my loins. He, within my, so he's, he's just, oh, it's, it's, it's a stirring thought to think that someday he'll get to see God. He knows his Redeemer lives and he knows he's going to get to see him someday. And folks, this is, death is the door to eternal life. The, death is the door to eternal joy. Let us not fear death. But let us look forward to the day that we get to go from this life with its troubles, with its sorrows, with all of its afflictions, with all of its pains, with all of the death, with all of the hatred and evil that's present in this world. Let us go through this world and and endure these things knowing that death is what will free us from this world, physical death will free us from this physical world. And we will get to see God and to be in His presence for all eternity. If we only live like this. Live blameless and upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. Worship God, trusting in Him in all circumstances. Not sinning, not blaming God, but trusting that He is in control and holding fast to our integrity trusting God and not sinning, trusting God with the number of your days and living with a longing for seeing God. You know, and if there's any way that we've seen God, it's we are getting ready in a moment to gather around this table. And when we do, every week, we remember the one who died to save us from our sins. My favorite part, to take us back a couple of years ago when we were talking about our favorite parts of the Bible, 
My favorite part is when Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. So every time we meet here, we we remember that our hope is in Jesus. And he is the one who has saved us and will transport transport us from this, this world of woe. We'll be with him forever. So may our miseries, may our troubles, may our afflictions, may our knowledge of death and the the scene of death all around us and all the evil that abounds in this world, may it all motivate us to draw closer to God so that in death we may behold Him. In death we may see Him face to face and be called up together with Him forever. I pray that if there's anybody who needs Jesus in their life so that you can have that hope of eternal salvation, today is the day to say, to say truth to Jesus, to say amen to Jesus, to say I believe that He is the way and the truth and the life, and to give your life to Him in baptism. If there's anybody who needs to do that, I encourage you to come. If there's anybody in the congregation who needs encouragement, needs prayer, I encourage you to contact me and let me know or come today. But if you need to respond, won't you please do so as we stand together and sing the song number 257. I need the average.